Good morning, everybody. So I want, I mean, your thanks and your, your warm words are really overwhelming. And uh, I personally, I thank you for even including me because I know, <laughs> I know it's been Alexander's teaching um, that really impacts. But thank you for your beautiful words and your encouragement. And I really want to say when we walked into this church the first Sunday, we felt at home, and you are all, every person sitting here, you are so warm and so welcoming, just being, just who you are, and I want to thank you. It, you embraced us immediately, overwhelmingly, but not overwhelmingly that we couldn't bear it. <laughs> we loved it, and I just wanted to, I love this, and this is from my heart. I thank you, and to say, um, to know or have known, people, persons, the leadership, like you guys, with whom you feel there's an understanding in spite of distances or unexpressed thoughts, that can make this earth a fertile garden. Amen. Lovely. Thank you. Um, thank you, Jill. So to add <clears throat> my word of thanks, uh, yeah, I, I must say just the amazing sense of warmth of welcome from the time we first came here and just the sense of honour that you've given to us is, is really remarkable. Um, in the vineyard, I'm part of the vineyard movement, we don't we don't have a history of making what we would call necessarily a big fuss <laughs> about people we do honor in our own way, but what we experienced this morning, I don't think we've ever had. <clears throat> I mean, when we left our church following Jesus there the whole morning, where we sat on the couch and people came up and shared, so it was very similar. But just to say to you that actually this is really amazing for us, your generosity and even taking an offering for us this morning. Gary, you're naughty. <laughs> That's completely unexpected. So we just are very grateful. Thank you for your love, your care, um, and all that you've meant to us. And as has been said, I'm sure next year we'll be back for ministry now and again, and we will continue the journey with you guys. So what I felt on my heart to share this morning, and at some point, Joel's going to come up and add to what I'm talking about. There's um, it, a little bit of a story behind it, so briefly it goes like this. And maybe, um, Paul, if you don't mind putting up the words Waymaker, uh, Miracle Worker up there. But about three or four weeks before I went to England, I had a trip towards the end of September going into the middle of October of three big conferences in England with vineyard churches. Um, about three or four weeks before that, I was just praying and saying, Lord, what are you going to do in England? Prepare my heart. And I, they, had, they had set um, topics or themes for the conferences for me to teach on, so I knew more or less what it was. But quite clearly, when I asked the Lord, that um, chorus came to me of the song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that's who you are. And so I, was, I prayed that like for three, four weeks, 
continually for the trip in England and throughout the trip in England. And really, God did do amazing things. There were wonderful reports of healings. A lot of real good stuff happened, a lot of breakthrough. God gave me favor with the leaders there. They've invited us back to do the National Vineyard Leaders Conference. They have about 1,500 to 2,000 leaders from around the UK. So that's happening next year as well. So it was just a remarkable, remarkable trip. But that song was the song God gave me to pray for that trip. And then when I came back, it's been with me continually. And then when Gary and I spoke about the remaining part of this year, um, there were two sessions left for me to teach on a Sunday morning. And quite clearly, I felt the Lord say, in December, the last message you bring to this church, at least for this year, that is the message that I want you to give. So I feel quite clearly in my heart that the Holy Spirit wants to say to this church at this time, that you need to assert your faith and not be passive. That you need to be assertive and persistent in your faith to work with God in kingdom breakthrough. Um, we've been talking a lot about the kingdom of God, the theology of the kingdom, and the, the, the basic worldview of Jesus, his worldview or frame of reference um, in his mindset underlying his whole mission, identity, and ministry was what we call the kingdom of God. And we've tried to, uh, this year, explain now and again what Jesus meant by the kingdom of God. And quite clearly, it is the intervention, the action of God's kingship overcoming and defeating the rule and reign of darkness. So whatever form evil and darkness takes, whether it is sickness, pain, mental disturbance, whatever, in many multiple ways. In Jesus, God's kingship, the kingdom of heaven, heaven has broken through and is confronting and defeating evil in all its forms, the rule and reign of darkness. That's what I believe Jesus meant by the coming of the kingdom. But as he preached the kingdom, as he demonstrated the kingdom, went around teaching the kingdom. Slowly but surely, there was this strange uh, contradiction or paradox that arose in the minds of his disciples, let alone the Jewish listeners. And the paradox went like this. If he's proclaiming the kingdom, where heaven has come to earth, God's rule and reign from heaven has come to earth and is working among us, why isn't he overthrowing the Romans? Why isn't he setting up his kingdom in Jerusalem? Why isn't evil coming to an end completely, fully, and finally? Why are we still struggling? <laughs> Why are things still going wrong? <laughs> Why isn't he being the kind of king we expect him to be? <laughs> and at one point, after feeding the 5,000, the people were so amazed that it says that they wanted to take him by force and make him king. But he slipped out. And disappeared. And there was a strange mix and contradiction between what Jesus preached and did and what he and what he meant by that versus the expectation and the mindset of the people. And this contradiction is called the kingdom has already come and is working among us, but has not yet fully and finally put an end to evil, because evil still operates. 
Evil has been defeated in principle and in power, but not fully and finally, which will come at the second coming. And when Jesus began to talk about his second coming, it was like a strange concept to his listeners. The kingdom of God in the Jewish mind was just one event in history that would change everything and defeat evil completely. But Jesus seemed to talk about his coming where it was operating and active and present, and he would come again because of this, this um, dark vocation of the king that he would die and rise again, which the Jews didn't have in their minds. But Jesus got from Isaiah 53. So we talk about, in theology, we talk about the kingdom has come and is working among us. The kingdom is yet to come at the second coming of Jesus. And between now and then, there is the strange already, but not yet. And let me be honest with you. I was saved in the Baptist church, got born again, was there for a year and a half, and they didn't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and tongues and whatever. Then I got baptized, and the Holy Spirit was with the Pentecostals, and we practiced all the gifts of the Holy Spirit And then I migrated into the vineyard. So I've been with Pentecostals and Charismatics, Evangelicals for many, many years. Not that many, in my opinion, really understand and uphold the tension of the already and the not yet. The natural uh, desire of the human being is triumphalism, which we want it all now, instant, ready, right now, on tap. And so if we just say the right thing or or proclaim or decree the right thing or pray the right prayer, we treat God like a one-armed bandit. You put in the right prayer, five-rand coin, and then you pull God's arm, and out jumps the jackpot. Ching, 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 ching. And instant miracles, instant healing, all here on tap. And that is the one extreme of, of kingdom now theology, dominion theology. Name it, claim it, and frame it. And you know, in reality, it doesn't work like that. There is kingdom breakthrough when we speak and we exercise faith. But at the same time, also, there is this mystery that it's not the breakthrough that we want and expect as we we demand it, as we need it or require it. And to come to terms with this fact that we're living in this contradiction where Satan has has been defeated, He is being defeated. He will be defeated. Where my sin has all been forgiven, yet is still being forgiven because I still sin. And if we sin, we must confess our sins, not just ignore them and saying it's all been done and dusted. I never ever have to confess and ask God to forgive me anymore because it's all under the blood. That's wrong theology. And yet, you know, my sins will still be forgiven because I will still sin. I don't know about you. You guys are all perfect. You will never sin again. But as for me, I know. And there is this thing of has happened, is happening, will happen. And to learn to live in that mystery is not easy. Now, I have been thinking about this song for three months, four months. And it is, the more I th- thought about it, the more I thought, yeah. This is, there is remarkable kingdom theology in this song. So the Nigerian woman who wrote the song and has written other amazing worship songs, 
She goes by the name of Sinach, S-I-N-A-C-H. I don't know how she pronounces it, Sinach or Sinach or whatever. Her Nigerian name is difficult to pronounce, I'm not sure, <laughs> but I looked up on the internet. I don't know what she had in mind when God gave her the song, because I believe God gives songs. Um, and we write songs, or John Wimby used to say he used to wake up at night and, and words would just be pouring through his mind and literally he would wake up, grab a pencil and start writing them down and the lyric would come with the melody. Um, and he, he said songs, songwriters experience the phenomena of God giving songs. What is the theology behind this? So... Um, the text that my mind was drawn to before I went to England, and I preached on this um, in certain parts while going around in England, is from Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. So just giving that background, I want to talk about the fact that God is the way maker, the miracle worker, which is the kingdom now, and God is the promise keeper and the light and the darkness, which is the kingdom not yet, because that is who God is. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So if you want to read with me, I'm, I'm reading from Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12. The context to this verse is quite simple, that Jesus was talking about John the baptizer. So John was put in prison by Herod, and in prison, basically awaiting his execution, he doubted whether Jesus was really the one whom he proclaimed as the coming one. And he went through doubt. So he sent two of his disciples, John's disciples, to Jesus of Nazareth and said, John's asking, are you the one that he proclaimed, the coming one, the Messiah, or are you not? Should we wait for someone else? Imagine that, eh? <laughs> Even John the baptizer, in prison, before his head was chopped off by Herod, doubted. And Jesus' answer was, go tell John what you see and what you hear. The blind receive their sight, the deaf hear, the lame leap for joy. In other words, he describes the miracles of the kingdom that he was doing, which actually he's quoting Isaiah 35. Jesus, as a Jewish rabbi, was steeped in the Hebrew Scriptures, and he actually quotes Isaiah 35, verse 6. So what he's saying is the kingdom of God is here, and the signs of the kingdom are miracles, signs and wonders, the signs of the kingdom. And then he goes on to say this, talking about John. He says, John was an amazing prophet, and from the time of John until now, the kingdom of God has been advancing. So verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful people take hold of it. Now, those of you who were raised on the King James Version of the Bible, or the old translations, will notice an immediate difference. And by the way, this particular verse is not easy to, uh, to, to, to interpret or, or understand, and it only appears in Matthew. It doesn't appear in Mark, Luke, or John. Because in the Greek, it, the tense can be either active or passive. So let me read what the King James Bible says. I was raised on the King James Bible. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And violent people are attacking it, or violent people take it by force. So that's what is called the passive tense, where Jesus' kingdom movement is being violated by violent people attacking it. In other words, persecution. 
That's the old interpretation. But a lot of the modern translators and scholars have turned around by saying, no, in the Greek, you can either take the passive tense or the active tense. And I believe the active tense is what Jesus intended, which then the NIV changed the translation around to basically say, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven is now forcefully advancing. It's breaking out, forcefully advancing and defeating evil, and people are forcefully entering and breaking out in the kingdom. People are assertive in their faith. They're stampeding into the kingdom movement. They're breaking out with the kingdom movement, and they are instruments of Satan's defeat. So the, the one emphasis is on the kingdom is suffering persecution and violence. The other turns it around to say the kingdom is violently or forcefully adva- advancing. And people of assertive faith are advancing with the kingdom as the instrument of God's defeat of evil in all its forms. And now that verse speaks of uh, Christians who are uh, assertive and not passive. Christians who put their faith to work. Christians who work with God in what God is doing to enforce evil's defeat in all its forms. And the question is, where did Jesus get this concept of the kingdom of God breaking out forcefully advancing, and people of the kingdom are forcefully entering the kingdom and breaking out with the kingdom. And uh, one guy I read, Roy Blizzard, who, who, writes, who wrote a book called The Difficult Words of Jesus, and tries to work out um, or teach the Hebraic background. So you guys are all aware that Jesus spoke Aramaic, a dialect of Hebrew, And as a typical rabbi, he continually was using the Old Testament scriptures. So I want to refer to two texts, and then I will explain the song. So the first text that Jesus probably was working from is Micah chapter 2 and verse 12. So as a rabbi, he's thinking the Hebrew scriptures, and he's using the prophets to teach his understanding of the kingdom. And now listen to this tremendous prophecy from the book of Micah, Chapter 2, verse 12, where God speaks through the prophet Micah to Israel. As surely, I will surely gather all of you, O Jacob, out of, out of exile. I'll gather all of you, and I'll bring you together, the remnant of Israel, the believing Israel. Those, not the unbelieving backsliding Israel, but those who remain faithful. I will bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture, and the place will throng with people. That's speaking about the regathering when the kingdom comes. The one who breaks open the way will go up before them. They will break through the gate and they will go up. Their king will pass through before them the Lord at their head. And the rabbis quite clearly say those three references, the one who breaks through their king, the Lord, is the Messiah. When the Messiah comes, God's king will break open the way for Israel into the renewed, the restored kingdom. And all that holds you back, all that hems you in. Um, so it's the, the idea of the sheep in the sheepfold that are all gathered together. 
But then the shepherd opens up the gate and the sheep break out and the way is clear. And here is quite clearly, when it says God is our way maker, this is the breakthrough of the kingdom. God is our miracle worker. These are the signs of the kingdom present and the kingdom come among us. And this idea of the one who breaks through, breaks open, makes a way for us where there is no way. This quite clearly in the Jewish mind of, of Micah's day. So Micah prophesied at the time of Isaiah about the exile and the restoration from exile. They would immediately have the connotations of the exodus. Israel was for 400 years in Egypt as slaves to the pharaohs. 400 years dominated by sin, sickness, demons, and death. And Pharaoh was the symbol of the rule and reign of evil over God's people. And when God raised up a deliverer, Moses, and called Moses to go to say to Pharaoh, let my people go, and the exodus happened, God broke open a way where there was no way. And in the Jewish mind, the Exodus is like the Mount Everest that defines Judaism. And Moses is the, is the um, mediator of the covenant, the forerunner or, or the prototype of the Messiah who's yet to come. So Jews today hold Moses highest and Exodus as the defining paradigm and are still awaiting the Messiah. For Christians, our Mount Everest that defines our faith is the cross and the resurrection, Jesus Christ, who actually fulfills the exodus. So just to say to you, when Moses went back to Israel and said, God appeared to me in a burning, in a burning bush, and God told me to come and to deliver you, it says they thought he was crazy. Are you mad? We've been here 400 years, imprisoned by all sorts of circumstances and difficulties. <laughs> And Moses would say in the words of the song, no, God is the way maker. God is going to deliver you. He's going to open up a way. And I love that. He, he opens up a way and he makes a way. And of course, when they came out of Egypt, on that night of the Passover, the first obstacle they came to was the Red Sea. Imagine coming and, you know, they counted 600,000 fighting men if you add the woman and the children, there were probably a community of 2 million. You know, Syria today have 10 million people who've left Syria because of all the civil war. We've had the biggest migration in modern human history since the Second World War in the last five to six years called all the migrants. Millions of people have been on the march to Europe and other places. Two and a quarter million people marching out of Egypt and they come to a big sea. <laughs> and then when they look back, they just see the dust of Pharaoh's army with all his horses coming for them. And they're crying, what do we do now? What do we do now? <laughs> and Moses said in the words of the Nigerian Christian follower of Jesus, God is the way maker. There doesn't seem to be any way but God will open up a way for us. And he said, God, what do we do? And the Lord said, lift up your staff and hold it over the ocean and I will part the seas. Let, let me tell you, I feel that the Lord said to me, 
to share this message with you because there are many people here today who are trying to find a way where there's no way in terms of human possibilities. For you, it all seems um, closed up. It, all see, it feels as if you've been in, an, in, in a prison confined for a long, long time. But the one who breaks through, the one who opens up the way, the king, the Lord, the word Lord there is Yahweh, God's personal name. The king is Yahweh, who is the Messiah, who comes and breaks open all that confines you and makes a way where there is no way. And that is also expanded in Malachi. Listen to this verse. And this morning, um, someone read Malachi to us. Who was it? Lee or uh, Kerry? Read Malachi to us. So Malachi, the other verse that Jesus is probably using when he says the kingdom of God is forcefully breaking through and there's a whole new way. And people are forcefully entering the kingdom and advancing the kingdom by breaking out and defeating evil. The other verse that goes together with Micah is Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. But for you... Who revere my name. Always it's the remnant of Israel, the believing Israel. It's those who believe who revere my name, the believing Israel. The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. That was also messianic in, in rabbinical interpretation. And you, when the when the sun of righteousness rises with healing in its wings, you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked and they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. So I remember I was born in Durban, and uh, I'm a banana boy, uh, and that's why we're going back to the ocean. Uh, but uh, my, my mother, German, had an uncle, Uncle Bernard Schiele, who had founded the Emmaus Mission Station near Cathedral Peak Hotel. There is a German mission station there that today is a hospital. So we used to go every Easter from Durban up to the Drakensberg to Amos Mission Station. And Jürgen, my older brother and I, every morning we used to go early to watch the guys milk the cows. One thing I remember is every morning early when the sun would come up, we, we would go there. All the young calves were in the, in the stall, what do you, in the kraal <laughs> at night time. But in the morning, when they got all the cows to milk, they used to open up the gates. And these calves would run and would jump and leap. You know how they frolic around, like, like a, 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 a kind of a heavy springbok. They would jump around and frolic around, all the calves. And, the, and when the, um, uh, uh, the dew on the grass would be trampled down. You could actually smell that amazing fresh smell of the morning, the trampled grass, the dew, and the scene of the calves jumping around. This is the image I believe Jesus had in mind to say that from the time John the baptizer began to announce the kingdom, the kingdom is forcefully advancing and attacking evil, confronting evil in all its forms and is defeating an evil. And the believing people who enter the kingdom by assertive faith are becoming the instruments of the breakout of the kingdom 
where the kingdom is making a way where there has been no way before. And whatever confines you, whatever holds you in, whatever wants to enslave you, whatever wants to keep you its prisoner, whether it's your physical pain or your mental torment or your financial struggle, the kingdom of God has come. And that means God makes a way where there is no way. And what to you seems impossible, for God is possible. And he breaks open and sets you free to run and frolic and trample down under your feet all the works of of evil and the works of darkness. So this speaks of assertive faith. The way maker is the miracle worker. And Jesus always spoke of the miracles that he did as signs of the kingdom come. The kingdom is among us, and because God makes a way, he does miracles. And you know, Jill and I, Jill's going to share now, just now, in a, in a minute or two. <laughs> and just to say, we are trusting God for miracles, because in some ways we need a way. We are facing some walls. We are facing, um, in some ways, we have been facing a sea. Looking out beyond the other side, is there, how are we going to get through here? So, God makes a way and does miracles which are signs of his kingdom is present among us with power to defeat evil. Some of you don't only need healing, you need a miracle. And waymaker, miracle worker. Waymaker is the breakthrough of the kingdom. Miracle worker is the signs of the kingdom. That requires assertive faith, not passive faith but to really trust God, press in and take the kingdom by force and advance the kingdom by force and refuse to accept uh, what the devil throws at you, what the devil does to oppose you. Refuse to accept a no for an answer. Look for God's yes and for God's breakthrough. And then what happens is the mood of the song changes Waymaker, miracle worker, to promise keeper, light in the darkness. And promise keeper basically implies God promises and he keeps them. Even when we don't have the answers we think we ought to have when we ought to have them. You know, we want instant coffee now. (laughs) We want a miracle on tap now. Just say the right prayer and it will happen now. And if you say the right prayer and it doesn't happen now, then your faith is faulty. There's something wrong. That theology is not good. God is the promise keeper and at worst, when things get dark, he will always be your light. And the mood of the song goes from triumphal breakthrough of the kingdom to learning to live in the promises of God by faith, holding him to his word expecting breakthrough when he determines breakthrough will come. You know, often God answers in ways that we don't recognize because our expectation of what he ought to do, how he ought to do it, and when he ought to do it is, is, um, doesn't fit what he's doing. You know, we've got to let God be God and not play God. God is not our butler. Remember the Adam's you know, um, thing, when they ring the bell, bong, and the, that guy with the half head appears and says, you rang. 
I'm at your service. God is not our butler that we just go, perform for me, deliver for me. We worship God. He doesn't worship us. He's not at our beck and call. We are at His beck and call. Let God be God. And He will break through and make a way, often in His way, at His time, when He believes you need it. And don't get disillusioned. Don't get disappointed if God does not deliver how you think He ought to deliver and when you think He ought to deliver. Because He will keep His promises. Even if He stretches you like God is an evangelist. He stretches you evangelistically. (laughs) And sometimes you feel, whoa, oh God. And of course, the whole tradition of the book of Psalms, David, Israel, in theology, when you talk about Old Testament theology, many theologians summarize Old Testament theology as what they call promise and fulfillment. Israel always lived between promise and fulfillment. All the promises of God, one day God will come. And they said, oh God, come. And David prays in the Psalms, how long? How long, oh God? How long must I wait? How long will my enemies beat up on me? Oh God, rise and kick them in the teeth. You remember those Psalms of David? (laughs) Lord, defeat evil. Lord, break through. How long? I can hardly hang on anymore. But this whole idea of promise and fulfillment, Let me tell you, God is the promise keeper. No matter how long you're hanging on for, hear the promises of God. Read the promises of God. Write down what God has said to you. Hold them to it. Pray for it because it will come. Sooner or later, it will come. And if it doesn't come in this lifetime, when you die, you appear before the Lord, then you'll have all that you've ever needed. You know, Christians cannot lose. We always win either way. And so the last two, promise keeper, light in the darkness. I don't know if uh, this woman intended this kind of theology, but quite clearly, when God doesn't seem to answer his promises and give us what he's promised, and we're hanging on and praying the Psalms daily. How long, Yahweh? How long? Breakthrough. Rise up. Let your enemies be scattered. We need breakthrough, oh God. No matter how dark it becomes, He still is your light. So, Waymaker is the breakthrough of the kingdom, miracle worker are the signs of the kingdom, promise keeper is the faith, the persistent, belligerent, faith of the kingdom that will believe God and hold him to his promises. And then light in the darkness is the hope of the kingdom. And there's a difference between faith and hope. Faith brings the future and activates it and makes it present. Hope is a quiet, consistent expectation of good because of who God is. And so there's the whole history in the Christian church of a theology of suffering, a theology of darkness, a theology of struggle. And those who are into kingdom now don't have a theology of suffering. 
They don't have a theology that can explain that when my, when my mother fasted and prayed for 40 days to be healed of cancer and, and had prayers and prophecies over her that she would be healed at the age of 70 from stomach cancer and in the Vineyard Church in Cape Town, and people saw visions of her dancing free from her cancer before the Lord, and we laid hands on her and she fasted. If ever there was a woman who exercised the sort of faith in God for healing, it was my mom. And yet, I knew she was dying. And I had to break her denial by saying, Mom, I'm going to pray for your healing until you breathe your last breath. But at the same time, let's prepare you to die well. And you know, that contradiction doesn't go down well with the Western mind. Neither does it go down well with the word of faith theology, with kingdom now theology. I am kingdom now, but I'm also kingdom not yet. I don't mind being realistically honest. So I prepared my mom to die because I nursed her for the last five weeks in her own bed in Cape Town until she died. And you know, leading her into the valley of the shadow of death and helping her to die with dignity, and I said to her, Mom, God can heal you before you die. God can heal you at the last moment before you die. We can speak life back into your body and bring you back from death, or your death can be healing by entering the presence of God, and your body will rise again free from cancer when Jesus returns to earth. Either way, you win. So let's face the not yet of the kingdom. What happens if you don't get the miracle people prophesied you're going to get? And she said, you're a pastor and you're a vineyard pastor and look at the unbelief that you're preaching to me now. And I said, mom, it's not unbelief. It's the realism of the not yet of the kingdom. No matter how dark it gets, God is still your light. No matter how dark and difficult it is, God is your light in your darkness. And He will lead you, He will guide you, He will shine on you, even if it is very dark. That is the second part of the song. My God, that's who you are. So just to say to you, that song, as I've meditated on it, has been for me a profound understanding of what we call the mystery of the kingdom of God, upholding the tension of the already and the not yet. But it calls for assertive, persistent faith. Don't become passive. Don't back off. Exercise your faith. Trust God and let God be God. He is faithful to his promises. So Jill, why don't you come up and just share what she wanted to share. Again, you know, Alexander. <laughs> I'm in trouble again. Alexander asked me, he always welcomes me to share. And I'm not a person who enjoys uh, um, being up front. You know, I like to be quiet and at the back, if possible. So uh, now I'm saying, well, I said to the Lord about two years ago, instead of being all angry and aggressive, I said, I will learn to say yes. So when Alexander asks me these days, I say, yes, Lord. But I don't know. I think I'm, I'm, serve, I'm wanting to please my husband, and I want to say and please the Lord. So I had prepared today about Promise Keeper, and guess what? He's just about covered everything I wanted to say. <laughs> so do I say it? <laughs> 
Of course you do. <laughs> I'll just re-emphasize some of the points. Anyway, that, that's been vulnerable, guys. So you are in trouble. We'll deal at home. <laughs> so Alexander does the theory, of course. He is the teacher, the preacher. But I, the one, I feel I experience life in a reality that he, um, he and I differ upon. So in 20, from the year of about 2017, 2018, when we decided that we were going to um, look and pray for a new team leader at Following Jesus, a church, the Vineyard Church we've been part of for many years, that, of course, I supported absolutely because I sensed in Alexander burn out. So, but I had to go through my own anxiety of, oh, well, now how do we support ourselves? You know, every month, <laughs> what's going to happen? So I started praying even back then, the Jabez prayer, that um, God, please be with us in all we do. Please extend your right hand over us. Please enlarge our territory financially, spiritually, physically. So I was praying that all these years. This year, again, has been a challenge for me, and I know it has for Alexander, in that we made a decision 18 months ago to relocate, because we could, to KZN. So we thought, no problem, sell our house, use that finance to buy the new house. Well, we haven't sold our house. And promise keeper, so I'm thinking, what is the problem? What are God's promises? Hello, Lord. We haven't sold our house. We're in trouble. So um, I did find that my exterior world started to collapse. And what did I do? So I thought, well, I'll build and rebuild my identity in God interiorly. And how do I do that? Even in the wilderness of my spirit, even when I'm feeling dangerously low and vulnerable, there's a choice, and I made the choice, to keep clinging to God, to keep Him as my safe place. And the only way I know to do that, as Bronwyn even said earlier, is to return to God, rest in Him, that's my desire and that's my passion. Return to God in rest and repentance and in quietness and confidence. He will restore my strength, our strength. Um, so I also question, okay, God, what are your promises and how do I find you in all this? And of course, we know that it's, we find God when we turn to him in quietness and strength and confidence and we say, God, I wait on you. You are my comfort. And also finding God in every day, finding him in the small things, finding him in gratitude, in joy, in, in taking time to smell the roses. That's where our confidence and our strength come from. And also, as Alexander touched upon, I want God now. I know. 
And then, you know, you find your face kind of going, woo, dribbling down at our feet. But I know that God requests us to stand firm in our faith and in our trust. We've got to rely on our trust and not only rely on trusting God, but to act on it and demonstrate it as though it's happening. And that's what I'm doing and I will do and I will continue to do so. Just to finish off, because, of course, I keep things very short and to the point. (laughs) And I agree, God does not offer unconditional endorsement of all that we desire. So, of course, I'm desiring finance and my household and I'm skipping off into the new season. But I know that God... I trust in him, but I know that he doesn't always answer and give us our desires. It's according to his will and in his time and in his perfect um, placement and timing. So I trust in that. And then lastly, touching on light in the darkness. We read this as we were driving, or we heard it as we were driving back from Durban recently. The brighter the sunshine of God's love, the more our shadows begin to emerge. The brighter the sunshine of God's love, the more our shadows begin to emerge. And that's okay. And you know why? Because God's light shines and reveals our shadows, our darkness. He makes it light again. If We choose to turn to him, to stand strong in our faith and to trust in him and act and demonstrate that trust. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Billy. That's good.